Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 305. My name is John. I'm your host. I'm here joined by Greg. Hello. Welcome, Greg. And Jeff. Yep, I'm here. Yes, he is. I've got bells on. We need to apologize to the people. For being late. Yeah. Yes, we are. We will be a day late with this. That's Greg's fault. It's entirely my fault. Oh. Thanks, Greg, Greg. Greg was not here yesterday. Uh, and we couldn't record without Greg because he is fundamental to the success of this podcast. <laughs> yes, it's true. No, we couldn't record without Greg because the subjects that was preached upon this last weekend right. was one that both Greg and I preached on. And Greg is the one who's most recently gone through an exhaustive, kind of an exhaustive... I was exhausted. Anyway, was, uh, kind of a, like, I'm going to look at every most of the passages that are cited by popular teachers regarding the rewards doctrines in the Bible. And so he is uh, helpful in this discussion. It's been a while since I've gone through all of those passages. It has been a while since I've been called helpful. So there there you go. Stroke your ego. It has been a while. Greg, I talked this weekend in my sermon. I talked this weekend in my sermon about how uh, Barney is a a great encouragement to you. People told me this. So I... I just want you to, for a minute, I wax eloquent about the purple dinosaur. <laughs> you Can you just tell people what he meant to you I'm and, and means? And <laughs> continues to mean. I mean, besides the poster in my room. Um, you know, I was when I heard that, I thought, it's funny, because I wasn't actually big into Barney, but there's probably another character that would have accomplished the same Oh, is there another thing, one? Right? Well, I don't know. Like, there must have been another. What are the other characters on that show? There's some. There's some more ones. No, I don't mean just that show. You didn't watch Barney? No, rubbish. I did. No, I didn't. I think Barney was just after us. Really? We're a little bit older. No, you guys. If Bar- we're, you were, we're straight Barney. We're pre-purple dinosaur. Yeah, we're like Mister Dress Up. My nephew, yeah. who's like 25, I think he he was a Barney watcher. Yep. Yep. Big time Barney watcher. So I think I think you're right, John. I think actually the Mr. Dress Up, the 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 Fred Penners. Fred Penners. What? Same message. Yeah. Same message as oh, yeah. Barney. But okay, but he wasn't purple and wasn't right. a no. dinosaur. No. And not nearly as memorable. Okay. No. Barney has to be one of the freakiest characters <laughs> in television history. Which actually. Like what was he? Seven two? He's just big, towering he's, over children. Yeah. He's a big dinosaur. <laughs> he was a large. I bet I could find that information out. One of the best moments in the in the uh, in the NBA this last year was when uh, the Toronto Raptors <laughs> played against. I think it was Indiana. They were playing. I can't remember who they were playing. I can't remember yep. who they were playing. They beat in the first round, um, and the other team played the Barney theme song during the introductions of the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I thought that was that might be the best. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was, it, was, it was the appropriate amount of troll for a basketball game. It was great. Yeah. It was a live basketball game. and Yeah, love in, it. In 2003, yeah. BuzzFeed put out a 10 Things You Never Knew About the Man Who Played Barney. Oh, no. Oh, don't read that kind of stuff. It's going to ruin people's lives. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Sorry, don't look it up. Sorry. Okay, no, now that you've done it, you now that you've done it we're going to have to go down the path. Yeah. Okay, so, so here's what you didn't know about Barney. Number the guy who played the Barney. guy who played Barney, oh, no. which right. his name was uh, David Joyner. Okay. Okay. Uh, David was basically perfect for the role because from a young age he had an obsession with miming and mimicking people. Freaky. Okay. Uh, yeah. David so had he's a, kind of a clown. David had a metaphysical connection to Barney prior to his audition for the role. What? I don't know what How, that means. What? 
He had a metaphysical He's, connection. He said, what I does kept, that even mean? He said, I kept watching these early Barney videos and I'd fall asleep. I couldn't understand why. I have these very clairvoyant dreams at times and when I'm really trying to figure something out or solve a problem. So I have this dream and in the dream that night, Barney passes out. And I run over to Barney and give him the mouth resuscitation. Of course, I wake up the next morning realizing the dream going, what was that all about? So as I'm driving to the audition, I stop and see a billboard anyways. He, wow. he had to breathe life into Barney. That's wow. why he was perfect. For, you never knew that about the guy who played nope, Barney. I didn't. Also, I grossly overstated his height. He was six feet tall. But in the purple dinosaur outfit, he... Oh, six seven, six foot seven. Because it was there pretty you go. high yeah. on the old head. He there. was six feet tall, but the costume was six foot seven. Uh, and you're looking out of the mouth, and you're in a yeah. So that's a see that makes it creepier for me. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And yet, Greg, your your person and your confidence as an adult is largely based upon Barney and his messages to you, right? Yeah. That he loves you. That somewhere there's a there's an imaginary purple dinosaur that loves you, Greg. So see, even though everyone else doesn't believe in season you, season seven, you, episode six was something about <laughs> not allowing those who critique you to really get you down. Uh-huh. That's right. That comes in helpful. Oh, uh, Barney! I think the you know the day I would see. if there if there are any millennials listening to our podcast, uh, we just want to affirm you. If there's any left. Now, and I, I honestly, if you are a Barney listener, we would love to hear your your experience with Barney. Yeah. So write in, and we will we will read on on air portions of your letter regarding Barney and his importance to you. Yes. Were there Barney toys? Oh like, my! Could you goodness, buy Barney? Of yes, you, yes. Paraphernalia. I bet you could get one now. Really? You know, if I'm somebody wants to buy a Barney for us, yeah. If and it's small and enough, to, we will we will bring it to every one of our podcasts henceforth. It'll it will be, sit here on the table. It'll be our extra mascot, Bar- Barney the extra mascot. And yep. when when one of us gets particularly abusive to the other, we'll we will the point, Barney doll. We yeah. will point to Barney. <laughs> so an original <laughs> 1990 Barney first edition plush dinosaur is going for one hundred and sixty one dollars US. What? That's insane. So we don't get that one for us. We I won't appreciate you, it. No, I want no. you to get the knockoff. There's one on here for like There's 10 one bucks. called Darney. <laughs> <laughs> Darney will do. Yes, you will. I'll put him on my desk too. Okay. If it's small That's enough. That's great. All right, back to the uh, topic at hand, gentlemen. The uh, rewards yes. in heaven was the topic that was preached on. Well, it wasn't really a topic. Well, the, sort of. the passage of scripture in Matthew 20, which is uh, the parable, which is explicitly linked with Jesus in Matthew's gospel with Jesus words to Peter uh, after the rich ruler had walked away. And Peter basically says, yeah, but if this guy walked away. We didn't walk away. We followed you. We've, we've decided to follow you and given up a lot. So mm-hmm. what is it that we're going to get? And Jesus says, well, you're going to get, you're going to sit on the, the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says that, everyone who leaves behind all that stuff is going to get replacement basically in the church, right? The fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, all that stuff and eternal life. But some, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So he, he, he contrasts those promises with a clarification with this line, but the first will be last and the last will be first. And so what does that mean? 
we use that all the time to tell jokes to each other. Like if you're at the back of the line, last will be first, yeah, first will be last. But what does it mean in its context? And what what I, the passage, what this passage I think is arguing is that oh. that our our conception of of higher placement or higher reward or higher, you know, beach house in Maui versus a, a you know a, a a dump near the pulp mill in Kamloops that like <laughs> there. That idea is just alien to to the future in heaven. It's not it's not the way we should understand the reward stuff. And so it's when we say all oh, there we short I shorthand and say, Oh, there's gonna be no rewards in heaven. I that's not true. People are gonna be re- rewarded. I'm like clearly the 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 apostles are gonna be sitting on twelve thrones. I'm not promised to be sitting on a throne. So they're clearly going to be receiving something that I I don't. It's just that they shouldn't make a conclusion from that. Like in the parable, I'm I'm basically the the latecomer. I'm the mm-hmm. five o'clock dude. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't make the conclusion that oh because we got here first and because we bore the you know heat of the day and worked harder and whatever that I they are somehow going to receive some some eternal value or eternal uh, experience that's greater than than mine. Hmm. I think that that's essentially what the passage is arguing. Right. So one of the chief criticisms though, that will come up against when you talk about this is that there are, there are really good solid Bible teachers who will say something like the consistent testimony of the new Testament is that there are degrees of rewards for believers because for every at, for every believer yes yeah because for uh, be, because at the at the judgment seat of Christ which is different than the, the final the judgment, judgment seat of Christ and the final judgment are two different things the you will, final judgment is where you separate the sheep from the goats meaning that you know the Christian from non but the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, as some mm-hmm. have called it, that is is the is the rewards judgment. Okay, right. And that passage is uh, like First Corinthians three, make it clear that people who are Christians will all be saved, and yet some, based on how they live their lives, will receive rewards whereas others that will, will endure not just the rewards loss. but those those rewards will endure in, in a in a better experience yeah so and that can range uh in their thinking from anything like i mean i may, I, I use comments like a better better place to live now i've heard people liken it to that mm-hmm. right so so a, be, a better mansion in heaven you know on a better street i've actually heard people say that uh but there are others who like don't like the crass nature of that. So they end up saying, well, it's not going to be like that. It's that you're going to have a better, you're going to have a higher capacity for appreciation of Jesus and his, his word, stuff like that. So Jonathan Edwards, for example, actually went down that path. That's essentially what his argument was that you, that you're going to, you're going to feel more for Jesus because your, your heart's going to be for, for, for the glory of God is going to be larger than somebody who is not. Sam Storms is a guy who was, uh, he's a theologian, and he was talking about similarly to what Edwards brought up, and he said this in a sermon at a Desiring God conference, I think it was. He said, your capacity for happiness in heaven is shaped by the development and refinement 
and depth of your capacity on earth. What we do now is not discarded once we enter eternity. What we learn now is not erased and having nothing in scripture leads us to believe that everyone will be instantaneously, equally, and exhaustfully educated at the inauguration of our heavenly existence. Except for Matthew 20, but that's okay. So the idea, the idea there is not so much, um, material, that you would accrue in material. No, it's, it's inner experience. It's yeah. your ability to appreciate what you have there. Yeah. Again, I, I would push back significantly and say, uh, actually, this is a doctrine that you're suggesting the Bible teaches and you need to show me where it teaches it. You can't say, well, there's nothing that doesn't say it. Well, there's, there's nothing that doesn't say we're all going to get pink lollipops and you know, right. It's, mm-hmm. but, but you need to give some, some positive support. So when they give positive support, they end up citing passages of scripture that I'm arguing, and Greg is as well, do not say what they're, what they're saying it says. So let me back up really quickly. A lot of this comes from, and these guys like Sam Storms and Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards and mm-hmm. John Piper at points, it, like they, they are not, and Wayne Grudem holds this view to some degree John as well. MacArthur. John MacArthur does as well. We're, we're, I'm disagreeing with them, and I'm saying, look, uh, with due, well, all due respect, you, you need to give me some positive scriptural support. And when they marshal that positive scriptural support, I, I'm not. I'm saying that when we look at each one of those texts in its context, it's not actually teaching that. What most people who go their direction say, though, is look at all the language in the New Testament regarding rewards. I mean, it's not like treasures, rewards, crowns. I mean, clearly we're going to get a clearly we're going to get crowns, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life. These are things that are mentioned. Uh, clearly first Corinthians three talks about rewards. Um, so the way they read that is saying, okay, so there, there you come to faith in Jesus by grace through faith alone. So you express that maybe in a prayer that you pray when you go forward at a meeting, when you're 10 or, or mm. years old or whatever. So you, you pray this prayer and there's lots and lots of people who pray this prayer, especially in the American context who've prayed this prayer. And, but there are some people who prayed that prayer who aren't really following Jesus in like the truest sense, meaning that there are lots of places in their lives where they resist his word, don't want to follow him. Right. So they're, they're kind of like substandard Christians, but they're still Christians this is the, their argument, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. mine. But mm-hmm. there's, but they've made a decision for Jesus, but they're still kind of carnal is what the old word that was used here. Backslidden, whatever you want to say. And then there's another group of Christians who, no, no, they actually mean it, and they tend to make up the missionaries and the pastors of the world or the faithful fathers who don't let their kids watch The Simpsons. Sorry. <laughs> but do, like, do you understand those others? These, so there's a division, and it's based upon that division in this life that people were rewarded in heaven. Now, whether you say that they're going to perpetually have more capacity to know God or whether or not they're going to have a beach house in Maui, to me, it's like, okay, whatever. There's going to be a an, a, per, a perpetual for eternity distinction between them mm-hmm. in, 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 heavenly, in the heavenly dwelling. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that's not true. Rather, that the warnings or the, the promises of rewards are actually the promises, promise of the reward. A- and that to fall short of the reward is to not have heaven at all. Mm-hmm. 
in most of the context, except for First Corinthians three, which I'm happy we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yeah. So First Corinthians three really is kind of the key text that a lot of people use to to make this point. But in uh, should we first talk about crowns? That's one that comes up all, all the time. Sure. There's yep. a couple of passages of scripture that do that. I mean, one of them, in fact, if you go online and you look yep. at, there's like five, I think that some people have listed yep. five different crowns that you can get from different texts. But I'll, I just want to show the context of say of one of them because mm-hmm. <clears throat> all of them fit the same sort of criteria. Okay. Yep. So second Timothy chapter four is one of the places where you get the crowns mentioned. This is the end. This is actually the last book that Paul has ever, ever wrote. He died after it. So this is sort of his his you know um, deathbed words mm-hmm. to his to his protege Timothy, verse six, Second Timothy chapter four in the NIV. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And he means, of course, his death. He can see it coming. He can see that they're probably going to kill him. He's likely he's in prison, and he's not going to get out. I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. What is he referring to? Well, he tells you the next word. I have kept the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What he's saying is that those who finish the race, okay, keep the faith will receive the reward of righteousness, meaning righteous standing with God in Christ. People argue, no, no, no. He's saying that this crown of righteousness is a special reward that Paul gets on top of eternal life. uh, And it's only for those who love his appearing or long for his appearing, because there's lots of Christians who don't long for his appearing. I'm arguing this passage is saying, no, no, no. To be a Christian is to be somebody who longs for his appearing. Right. To be a Christian is to be somebody who keeps the faith. To be a Christian is somebody who finishes the race. So this gets into the whole doctrine of perseverance of the saints, and uh, which is a great long discussion to have. And it's often misunderstood um, doctrine in the church, certainly not talked about very much. But my point is that most of the passages like this seem to be talking about the the crown. So the crown of righteousness, another place you have the crown of life. Yep, the imperishable crown in 1 Corinthians 9, um, which I can which, read. But I'm, I'm saying in each one of these contexts, mm-hmm. it's usually the case that it's talking about the, the crown of life, meaning the, the crown of eternal life, or the crown of righteousness, the crown which is righteousness, righteous standing before God, the, the, that it's talking about eternal life itself as right. the treasure not extra credit on top of it. And I think actually the language around these passages is actually quite explicit at points. Yeah. There's one in second, I think second Thessalonians that talks about yes. the crown. Uh, is it the victor's I crown? I think that's the crown of rejoicing. The crown For, of rejoicing. But in that case, Thessalonians. he's actually yeah. referring to the people. He says, actually, you are my crown of rejoicing. So mm. you can see some people, they just take these words, crown, oh, mentions crown. It must be extra credit. So you're reading into the text, mm. a preconception that you have. And those those texts, you can make them say that, but in their wider context, certainly in the scriptures and wider context in the books in which they in which they appear, that's just not what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. In in Grudem's uh, systematic theology book, which we we use and we we think it's really great in a lot of places, uh, he lists about I don't know twenty. 
15, 20 different passages where he says uh, that the New Testament is teaching or at least implying degrees of reward for believers at the final judgment. And so one of the things that we did last week uh, with the interns, the topic last week was actually um, was the judgment. And so because I was preaching the sermon that I was, I decided to co-opt the class to make it for me, basically, because I'm <laughs> selfish. Uh, but it was interesting to go through some of these passages, and I asked the interns to put them in three categories. Either, yes, this clearly in its context talks about degrees of rewards. Uh, we're unsure, just because we, we don't exactly know yet. Or no, <coughs> in its context, this is clearly not about degrees of rewards. So I think it might be fun to just kind of read some of these that Grudem quotes and see in its context, does it actually talk about degrees of rewards or not? And then we could probably go to 1 Corinthians 3, because that's really the chief Mm-hmm. The chief yeah. text. So Luke Luke 6, 22 and 23 says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Yeah, but it's talking, yeah. It's talking about <laughs> the reward, though. Okay, fine. Let's do another one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, listen, I'm just telling you, when you read through Luke's gospel... If you just read read the, the language plainly and don't come to it, don't come to it with an assumption that, oh, it's talking about an extra credit thing. And you read it in its wider context, it's talking about the reward. Colossians 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The inheritance. Okay. As a reward. Okay, here's yeah, one. Yes. Here's one for you. Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures yeah. on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Given the teaching in the Gospels regarding guys like the rich ruler. Like, I, I'm sorry, I just, this, the rich fool and Luke, I, I, I really struggle a great deal to see how you're saying that somebody, that, that this is talking about, no, no, this is about somebody who's uh It says multiple treasures, though. Yeah, right. Lay up for yourself treasures. Yeah. Rewards. <laughs> no. Why not? Lay, lay up for yourself treasures in hev- on earth. Do, do not heaven. store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Okay, so in other words, don't sink your heart into all the mm-hmm. things that money can buy, and where thieves break in and steal, because you know it's they're fleeting. Thieves can steal them here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you set your heart on something like uh, your car, yep. it can be you carjacked. Yep. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, it's it's an eternal treasure. This is- treasures up there, yes. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also right that if your treasure if you if the thing that you're seeking is in heaven that's a sign that your heart is with god in other words to 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 store up for yourself treasures on earth and give your heart over to them is a sign that you're not actually a christian Hmm. see my point is you can see the difference right I, Mm -hmm. I, i i i just want that to be clear that if you read these passages, they plainly they can plainly mean that no, it's talking about the the reward, the treasure, the treasures, whatever it calls it, like eternal bliss itself. Or 
you can make it sound like, oh, no, it's an extra credit thing. But in order to make it sound like it's an extra credit thing, you have to come to the text with a preconception. Right. Which I think now is a good time to go to 1 Corinthians 3. Right. Which is usually the standard text that people go to to talk about. Oh, but see, 1 Corinthians 3 clearly teaches Mm -hmm. that there are those who are Christians who will get more rewards that every Christian yep. will get more rewards and some less. And yep. we're saying, actually, no, that's not what 1 Corinthians 3 teaches. It's actually not even a difficult right. text to understand. There you go. And uh, I, I only want to read a few of those because I wanted to be able to show the the listeners that of the 15-ish passages that Grudem cites, all of them have a word like treasure or reward in them. But like Jeff said, the way that you get to the point where you say this is justifying or teaching or implying degrees of reward for believers is you have to come to the text with some kind of presupposition saying this text, because it necessarily says treasure rewards, therefore it means extra credit, extra credit, treasure rewards. Right. But it's based on first Corinthians three. So here's the verses that are used most commonly to talk about it. Uh, Starting in verse 11 for no one can lay a foundation other than that, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So those verses are the ones that are most often quoted by saying, see, people will be saved because they have a foundation in Jesus. And yet they live their lives doing things that are either costly stone or wood, hay, straw. Right. Depending on how they build their lives, they will receive, in turn, what they are due. So if you go prior to this passage, uh, here's the context. Oh, context. I know. Verse 5. I'll go to verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 3. Yep. Paul writes, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord is assigned to each his task. One of the problems with the Corinthian church is that they thought that the different leaders, the different preachers were what they called sophists, uh, who were kind of the rock stars of the ancient world. So you'd have a, 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 like Greg has a poster of Barney, you'd have a picture of Paul uh, or a picture of Apollos on your wall or whatever. Right. They were your favorite. And so in the church, there were divisions because some people were saying, well, I'm a Paul guy. And some people were saying, I'm a Peter guy. And some people were saying, I'm an Apollos guy, because Apollos apparently in the early church was widely considered to be the best preacher. Mm -hmm. And then some people were like, you know, the real holy ones. Well, I'm a Jesus guy. (laughs) And so there's this there there are these distinctions. And so Paul's got to come to this church and he's got to make clarifications regarding, Okay, so how should you understand these different apostles? In relation to one another. So again, here's verse five. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. In other words, look, don't pit me against Apollos. I had a certain job to do when I came and served the church here. And he had a certain job to do. But let's at least establish at the very get go that this context of this passage is talking about apostles. Right. About people who, who are who are leading and building on the church. Now, notice how this plays out. I planted the seed, so he's going to use an image, a farming image here. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So look, we both have our job as farmers, but ultimately, like all you farmers know, you can't make the seed grow. You just do the work that kind of fosters it in some way, but God's going to make it grow. 
So verse 7, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. Don't divide us, mm. right? We, we want to see it grow, but we, we have different jobs to do. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Who's, who's each? <laughs> well, the answer is each apostle at this point. For we are co-workers, we being the apostles, Okay, our co-workers in God's service, you, who's you? The church. The church are God's field. So he so he he makes he clarifies what he means. Don't screw around with my image here. Mm. That we, the apostles, are the ones working on you, the church. And, and what does it mean that working? Like it's the it's teaching them. That's what apostles did. Mm. They came Paulus planted, you know, I watered, whatever. So in other words, I, we both have a part to play in, in teaching and training you through doctrine in a certain direction. But we're on the same team. We're saying basically the same thing. Just because he came first and I came second, whatever. God's the one who's going to cause this whole thing to grow through, the, through that particular doctrine. And you guys, though, are God's field. Now he changes the image. He says, you're God's field, God's building. All right, so I don't like the 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 agriculture image let's talk about you know construction now by the grace god has given me verse 10 i laid a foundation as a wide builder wise builder and someone else is building on it but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is jesus christ what is he he's say, saying look, look when i showed up i preached you christ Okay, somebody comes else, else comes along and they want to build on my foundation and they don't build in line with Jesus Christ. I mean, this is doctrine now. If they end up saying something about Jesus that's not in line with what I said, which was the foundation, that this is not, this is the wrong build. It's not even a building. Mm-hmm. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, so some of those are going to be good building materials, right? Gold, silver, costly stones. That's a nice building. Or wood, hay, and straw, you know, little pigs. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, it's a capital D there, the day will bring it to light. It will, what's it? The building. Yeah, the nature of the nature of the building. It yep. it will be revealed with fire. So there's, God's going to match a massive match and he's just going to, you know, at, at the judgment, he's going to light it for. For who? Who's the builder? Those who teach like in this context it's apostles yeah and those who follow after them anyone who builds on it who's teaching who has who has a doctrinal teaching task in the church right that this is not the greeter at the church this is not you in your in your uh christian life now you're going to try to say well i'm kind of building on the church in every way no don't mess around with it right you are god's building Hmm. i and those who follow after me in the teaching ministry am god's Mass, I'm a master builder, he says. Mm. So if what has been built survives, okay, the builder will receive a reward. The builder is not everybody. The builder, again, is those who are teaching doctrine in the church. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as, uh, even though only as one escaping through the flame. So, so the loss that you will suffer is that you will see the all this hard work that you did as a and I'll say leader or teacher in God's church, it will end up being burned up because you you built in ways that were not 
in line, or I shouldn't mm-hmm. say in line, that, that were wood, hay, and straw. And, and again, the image here has to do with doctrine. So there are some doctrines that people use that are not heresy, but they're not true, right? Right? You got it wrong. Somebody who is a, who is a, believes in egalitarian gender roles, and somebody who believes in complementarian gender roles, one of them is wrong, right? Okay, and and one of those will be burned up through fire. But it's not they're they're not like you're not a Christian, right? If you don't hold this view, likewise, something like baptism, the Pado Baptists and Credo Baptists, people who baptize babies and people who don't baptize babies, they are going to some of those works will burn by works. I mean that those doctor, the teaching of those doctrines will burn and you will suffer loss because you will realize, Oh my goodness, I didn't do that. And if you build with the proper thing, you will receive reward. Now here's the point. Yes, you will receive reward in an extra sense. The question you have to ask is, okay, this is only about those who teach doctrine in the church so so are so in what sense are they going to be rewarded above which sounds a lot like Peter asking what are we going to get yes cuz cuz we yeah yeah and Jesus no, I, gives an answer right he absolutely. says he says yeah you guys are going to be on thrones you're going to have a role of judging and anyone who gives up anything is also going to inherit eternal life, and the many who are the last will be first. But don't first misunderstand your your what I mean by judging right. and the higher responsibility that you have in the kingdom. Similarly, the parable of the talents, you get uh, a guy with five talents and two talents and one, the one buries it, and he's judged, and so he's not included in the kingdom because he's out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The five and the two, though— are included. And at the end of the story, the five talent guy gets the one talent from the other guy. Jesus says, give to him who has already has more will be given more. What, what, what are the talents? Well, money, not but responsibilities answer, hmm. right? Cause that's essentially what it is. They're stewards. They're stewards. Yep. There's more responsibility that one might have. Oh, but so if I have more responsibility, do I get a bare house on the beach? Do I have more capacity to love God? No, none of that. It doesn't say any of that. Hmm. What it says is that you'll have more responsibility. So, th- so is there a differentiation in terms of responsibility in the kingdom? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Which, which we call is, that a reward. Yes. Which, which is interesting in light of the language of all believers being co-heirs with Christ. And, and you have this idea of, of what it's going to look like a new creation of, you know, the fact that work existed pre-fall and all of that stuff. So it actually, it does, in my mind, it, it's a, it's a good fit into what, how the Bible talks about eternity and the idea that people, humans were made in God's image <coughs> to, to do work in the world, to be involved in culture making and all kinds of other things to, to subdue the world and do all kinds of stuff. And, it seems to fit well with the other context where Jesus is talking about things like the talents and things like the fact that apostles are on thrones. And there will be those who have authority over others yep. in the kingdom. There there will be. I, I mean, I'm going to argue that I actually think, I mean, as a complementarian, I believe that I believe that Adam had authority over his wife in the, in the garden. So the, the idea of authority and submission is going to be part of the kingdom. It is, but don't, but this is my point. Right. This I think Matthew twenty is adding to this, saying, mm-hmm. but, "But don't don't misunderstand. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Mm. Meaning that that the 
the the Gentiles as they lorded up because the next story right is James and John's mother coming along and they in Matthew twenty and they and they start you know hey can I have the better my kids have better seats and Jesus is like okay so you don't understand that this is what I mean that that those who are lesser in the kingdom and that doesn't mean lesser of value mm-hmm. those those who have lesser responsibility will will be served mm-hmm. by those who have more responsibility in the kingdom so don't don't think about this as like right. I get the nice 10 bedroom house in Malibu and you get again you know you you get the the crappy place somewhere else that's that's not mm-hmm. that's not the idea here that's mm-hmm. not what he's talking about when he talks about rewards mm-hmm. he's talking about responsibility and in the kingdom of god the responsibility of the leader is to serve others just like jesus serves us right one of the great um i brought this up in my sermon of mission one of the great ironies i think of the first corinthians 3 passage when it's talked about in this context is that it, rather than it being about um every individual Christian gaining rewards or losing rewards on the basis of their work. It's actually about guys like uh, you and Grudem who teach different things about rewards doctrine. Right. And one of you are building well and one of you isn't. Right. And I and, might, and I'm, the day will reveal it is going to reveal it through fire because right. God's going to light the match and see, okay, is this teaching going to stand or is it going to burn up? Cause it was garbage. Right. What's really helpful about understanding First Corinthians three like this too, though, is that it, it and and uh, which I'm not saying that you should believe it because it's helpful in this way. It's, yeah, this yeah. is what I think the passage is teaching: is that what it means is that there's a difference. There's a difference in false teaching in the world, in the sense that there's some false teaching out there that's her- heresy. It's the kind of false teaching that fiddles with the foundation, which mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ. And Paul mm-hmm. says there's no. You, n- no other foundation could be laid. If you destroy the temple, he goes on in verse 16, 17. The churches, he changes the imagery again a little bit to talk about the church as a temple. And he says, if anyone destroys the temple mm-hmm. through their work, teaching, ministry, doctrines, they'll be destroyed. Right. So so there is a kind of teaching yep. that destroys the temple that isn't in line with the foundation in the truest sense. And it's a, it's not Christian. Okay. it's So that one is a, that's heretical. And you're not a Christian if you teach it. But then there's this other these other categories of mm-hmm. there's wood hay and there's wood hay and straw teaching mm-hmm. for for leaders. And I like I said that there, it's a it's on a different level. And this, of course, we we use language like open hand, closed hand. That's what he's talking about here. Right. Is right. The, but again, it's like well, when we say open hand, closed hand, we say well, the second one doesn't really matter. You know, the, the open hand right. stuff doesn't matter. Well, he he actually said no. Be careful how you build. Right. Right. Be careful how you build. So that should be the word that we have to anybody who teaches anything in the local church yeah. is that you need, look, you're, you are, you are a builder now and you're working on God's church and there, there is more at stake in the sense, mm-hmm. right? That what's it, that you, you will be rewarded with greater responsibility in the kingdom if you build well. Right. Well, and you will suffer loss if you don't. And I think the other part that's helpful, I think in first Corinthians three, four, um, the every Christian is that I think the language of stone and stone and straw and destroying that, that threefold kind of imagery is helpful as a, as a a tender of a local church, as you're reading the Bible along with the pastor who's preaching and who's teaching as you're reading, you can be evaluating yourself. Does the kinds of things that these pastors teach sound like stone or straw, or is it like wrecking 
what the gospel is all about. It, it's actually a little bit of a helpful discernment grid yeah. for people because you don't have to freak out necessarily about every little, if there's a little piece of straw here and there, if most of it's costly stone, because you right. realize, no, it's a pretty good building. I mean, that part's a little weak, right. but it's okay. A lot of this is going to stand. If the church you're going to, you keep reading the scriptures and in their context and trying to hear what the authors are saying, and then you hear the preaching and you're thinking, man, that's a lot of straw. Yeah. Well, it's probably not going to be the best church to to build up your faith, but they're still Christians. Yeah. And they still love Jesus. Yeah. But it's just a it just the doctrine is going to be probably not quite as right. strong. Right. Right. So again, I we've we've suggested that a proper reading of 1 Corinthians 3 in its context does not establish that every Christian is going to receive rewards and uh, loss of rewards that are going to result in a differentiation of experience for uh, Christians for all eternity, such that one has greater capacity, greater whatever, for God and another does not. Instead, we're arguing that uh, that each one will receive a denarius, to use the language of Matthew 20. Okay. okay but, but Philippians 4.17 says... <laughs> Not that I seek the gift of money to be given away, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Yeah. Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So Again, you can, you can for play, play Philippians 417 4, has a context and the credit that he wants. Yeah. Anyway, we could do, again, all of these passages. Yeah. Look, there's a there's a book that you could read if you want to read about this sort of thing. It actually, because this doctrine is something that ends up, uh, is driven actually by different views on the doctrine of perseverance, there is a counterpoints book that one can read on this. And it is called uh, The Role of Works in the Final Judgment. Four views on the role of works in the final judgment. Hmm. And so if you are interested in, the, so Robert Wilkin writes the rewards view there. He is part of the Grace Evangelical Society, or the Free Grace Evangelical Society, I think is what it's called. And uh, Tom Schreiner writes the viewpoint that Greg and I are espousing. There's a another viewpoint in there uh, written by James Dunn, who's a, who's a British uh, uh, evangelical great scholar. Um, and then there's a Roman Catholic view as the fourth. The only one out of those who believes the reward stuff that we're counteracting is Robert Wilkin. Mm. And that's not to say when Grudem agrees with him at every point, actually, he probably agrees a lot more with Tom Schreiner. It's just that I, I, this is a place where I think, I think Grudem and some others are, I just haven't, they just haven't spent either. They haven't spent the time or they've come to some conclusions that I just don't know mm. can be as defended as they think. Mm. Good fun. Yes. Did, did we kill it? I think it's dead. I, th- I think that one's until people write in and say, yeah. "Yeah, but you just count. You just are saying you con- you contradicted the celebrities." And we're like, "Oh, not all of them. Not all of them. Nope. There's lots of celebrities don't." Again, Craig <laughs> Blomberg did agree. <laughs> well, says differently. And you know what? It it is like I think that that that's actually helpful at times for people to hear that there are places where we disagree with the likes of Piper and MacArthur and Grudem and. Keller and I, I think the there can be a perception sometimes that I, I've heard that oh you guys are just trying Lockstep, to man. you're just trying to parrot these mm. guys nope. and everything and actually that's not 
That's not our goal. If there are places where we quote guys like Keller and Piper and MacArthur, it's it, it's because in our study of a passage, we actually find how they've talked about it to be more helpful or eloquent than what we could do because they're smarter dudes than us. Yep. Um, but that that doesn't mean we went to their school to say we have to pledge allegiance to Piper. Right. And likewise, there were those people out there uh, who would disagree with us, and that's good. Yep. As long as your disagreement is... Uh, is grounded in scripture and you're raising questions about your own presuppositions that you carry to the scriptures and are reading them through those light. But again, if you can show us through the Bible, through the context of passages that your viewpoint is the one that should be held, we I'm happy to concede. Dude, if we're wrong, we lost so many jewels in our crown. Dude, no kidding. (laughs) Awesome. So many. I am so ending up in Regina (laughs) in the new hats tour. You're going to be so cold out there. (laughs) I made fun of Corollas and Alberta. And so the Lord made it so that I had to buy a Corolla in Alberta. Isn't that good? Oh, nuts. Yep. God's got a sense of humor. Yeah. It's great. Thank you, gentlemen, for that lively discussion. Again, if you have any questions, extra at northview.org or send us a message on Facebook. We'll be happy to respond to those. Thanks for listening. People should like us on Facebook, too. Yes, and they have. They have been. Okay.